This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth managers who go above and beyond to guide and support you. CanDo is more than just an attitude. It's navigating today for a brighter tomorrow. Visit CanDoWealth.com. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Natasha Froese and I'm joined by James Heal and our deputy editor, Freddie Gray. Well, usually Coffee House Shots is all about the Westminster bubble, what's happening in Westminster politics. Today, one of the news stories that lots of people are talking about in Westminster was something that happened abroad. It was Tucker Carlson's interview with Vladimir Putin in Russia. Freddie watched the whole recording last night. Freddie, it was about two hours long. What were the highs and what were the lows? I suppose the low was that was the beginning, which was very, I mean, it was hilarious in a way, but it was also very mind numbing, particularly for short attention span internet addicts like me, because as everybody has already observed, Tucker Carlson tried to ask him a sort of straightforward question about a speech he made in which he sort of suggested that he thought Russia felt threatened by America. And Putin immediately said, you know, are we here for a serious interview? or not, and then said, allow me to give a 30-second or one-minute bit of history, and then went into this bizarre, meandering, potted history of uh, the formation of Russia. And poor Tucker Carlson just looked a bit kind of stuck as to how to how to get him to stop this. Uh, I mean, a lot of interviewers will now say, oh, he should have been more aggressive. I mean, good luck trying that with Vladimir Putin is all I can say. So uh, I thought the second hour was a lot more interesting. There was a lot of quite interesting discussion about you know America using the dollar. There was a bit where the highlight for me was probably, I won't go in too long about it because then I'll be talking as long as Vladimir Putin. But the highlight for me was probably where Tucker Carlson said to him, who blew up the Nord Stream pipelines? Who blew up Nord Stream? <laughs> you for sure. I was busy that day. <laughs> Nate, it, do you have... Do you have <laughs> Uh, I did not blow up Nord Stream. Thank you, though. You personally may have an alibi, but the CIA has no such alibi. And it sort of showed you how different Putin's thinking, Russia's thinking is about all these questions. And we had that conversation on our Americano podcast. Just We've had it quite a few times, yeah. 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 James, Boris Johnson came up. And that was quite significant. Putin made quite a serious accusation towards him. What happened there? So in his interview, Vladimir Putin effectively said that Boris Johnson was to blame for there being no peace and said that when he was prime minister, he was responsible for urging the Ukrainians to carry on their fight uh, and not do a deal. Um, now, I think that out of Whitehall and Westminster over the past years, the line's always been the UK will do what the Ukrainians want. And I put the emphasis on them, the impetus on them, uh, and saying that it's up to Ukrainian uh, desire for self-determination. And as long as they're willing to fight, we're prepared to fund them. Uh, so I think that was a slight misrepresentation. Uh, obviously, the Brits in this whole uh, scenario have loomed large in the Russian imagination. And uh, this obviously reflects a long-standing thing of sort of uh, Russian belief of sort of um, the, the Brits are out to get them. And I think that I only wish, first of all, that the UK did have the state capacity that the Russians ascribed to them. Um, but also, I think it perhaps reflects, um, you know, Putin tapping into long-standing Russian fears and prejudices about it all. Um, I think the interesting thing about you know, Boris Johnson is been last month he penned an article for his mail column talking about how he thought Donald Trump would be a great friend of Ukraine. This has been written up as people suggesting 
Johnson's support for Ukraine was expendable and that he's just trying to suck up to Trump. I think there's actually a misunderstanding there, which is that, you know, talking to a couple of Boris Johnson's longstanding allies, they say, you know, he's trying to get Trump to be pro-Ukraine. He's trying to um, enlist Trump to the Ukrainian cause by flattering his ego and saying, you know, Donald Trump will be like this. And being a bit like in the first term Donald Trump had between 2016 and 2020, when uh, he was not as, uh, how should we say, unconventional um, or necessarily uh, as anti-Ukraine as some of the rhetoric has been subsequently to that. So I think that's the hope, really, is that Boris Johnson, through his talk of, of um, you know, praise for Donald Trump, is trying to bind Donald Trump to Ukraine's cause. So I think that there's a degree of cynicism there. might be misguided, but um, I think that's what uh, Boris Johnson is trying to do in terms of his role uh, in the next few months and the coming year until next January. I think that the Boris stuff was particularly pointed, and James is right to point out that there's this sort of weird obsession with how reckless the Brits are. And he made this very pointed dig at Boris Johnson at the end, at the end of his bit about Boris Johnson, where he said, uh, and where is Boris Johnson today? The war continues. You know, it was a sort of thank you for playing dark moment from Putin. And Freddie, it's very rare that Putin would accept an interview with a Western media outlet. Why do you think Putin agreed to do it with Tucker? Because Tucker is much less hawkish about Russia and some would say far too dovish about Russia than any other commentator with a major platform in Western media. A lot of people will call Tucker Carlson a useful idiot and so on. I don't agree with Tucker about everything. However, I think he does present a refreshing perspective and that's why he was able to get this interview. Yes, he probably could have handled some of the questioning better in hindsight, but it's very easy to say, particularly when you're talking through a translator. There was particularly one bit, which I should have mentioned earlier, which was when Tucker Carlson finally asked him, he finally got round to asking him, are you happy with the lands that you now have in, in Ukraine? Would you settle on those lands? Which is sort of the key question. And Putin would let me finish my point about Ukrainian Nazi tendencies, neo-Nazi tendencies. And so I, it was a shame that that didn't get pushed a bit harder. But he's not an easy man to talk to, I think it's fair to say. Uh, I think also it's worth contrasting, say, Tucker Carlson's interview with the one that Steve Rosenberg did of Lukashenko in Belarus, where it was much more kind of you know, free-flowing back and forth, etc., because he's an expert in that region. And I think that, you know, any one of us, you know, if, as a Western journalist, I don't know Russia particularly well myself, but that ignorance was what I think Putin was trying to exploit here by deliberately choosing people who don't know the region as well. And I think it'd be fair to say that well, the Tucker Carlson's covered the war. He's not someone who's you know, been out in Russia. I don't think he's ever visited Russia before. Mm. So I think that's the kind of... Because he tries to play on that kind of that that gap in knowledge, obviously, which he's very keen to. I'd also just add on the, the British point as well. Someone in the UK government has pointed out that uh, Putin was in the KGB when the Brits nicked uh, Gordievsky in the 80s, and he hates that being mentioned. So uh, perhaps um, first-hand knowledge of the Brits' underhand dastardly tactics is something that gets Mr Putin a bit wound up. <laughs> I would agree with everything James said there to a certain extent, although I do think that perhaps we're moving into a media world now where that sort of combative interview is finishing is is coming to an end because even though they can be much better to watch if you look at what people listen to now it's it's you know four hours with joe rogan it's let you know the interviewer poses as a, a sort of intelligent ignoramus and it can be very boring it often was at many points last night but it can also be very interesting and the gershvitz bit was interesting freddie Yes, yes, you're referring there to Evan Gershwitz, the uh, Wall Street Journal reporter who's been 
in prison for over a year now, I think. In Russia, Tucker Carlson asked the question that I'm sure all of his American journalist friends wanted him to ask. I just got to ask you one last question, and that's about someone who's very famous in the United States, probably not here, Evan Gershkovitz, who's the Wall Street Journal reporter. He's 32, um, and he's been in prison for almost a year. Uh, this is a huge story in the United States, and I just want to ask you directly, without getting into the details of it or your version of what happened, if as a sign of your decency, you would be willing to release him to us and we'll bring him back to the United States. Putin did this sort of weird puffing out of his cheeks as if to show that he realized this was a sentimental and emotional question. <sighs> and he um, then said no, basically, in a very long-winded way. He said it's between our secret services. He did suggest that it could be arranged, but I think that's not a surprise. And that Russian secret services and American secret services were talking to each other and that something might happen. But he added that Gershwitz was committing espionage. He wasn't just some journalist. So I'm, I'm not sure Tucker made a lot of progress there. Yeah, I don't think this is to do with um, the Russians want a prisoner swap uh, to do with someone who was um, locked up in Germany from committing an assassination on German soil. So it's involving kind of three different countries, Russia, America, and Germany. And I think obviously the chance of Evan Gershwitz's release uh, was very unlikely before the interview and uh, is going to be caught up in this kind of ongoing dilemma and debate around uh, prisoner swaps. Thank you, Freddie. Thank you, James. And thanks for listening.